You're listening to Life Lessons from a Psychic with See Psychic Readings Intuitive Podcast. The podcast where you'll get healing messages from spirit to help you move positively forward in your life. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast where I have a little bit of a treat. Um, we're actually sharing our time with Jill Johnson Young, LSCW, um, LSS, LCSW, excuse me, morning, haven't had my coffee yet. Um, me either. Right? And we're going to be talking about uh, death, dying, grief, all that good stuff. So the reason why I connected with Jill is this is what Jill does and she's going to explain it more to you. Um, but I know for a lot of my clients and my psychic practice, you know, we talk a lot about this stuff. It comes up in the world. So Jill, why don't I hand it over to you and you can share with the audience a little bit more of uh, your experience and what you do. Okay. So I am a licensed clinical social worker and I do grief therapy by trade now, but I started out as a social worker in hospice and did that for about 13 years. So death and dying, grief and loss was what I did. And I, I just love that, the being able to be present while someone's dying is you truly, you know, with some people don't, but we think it's a good thing because it's, it's a nice thing to walk people out and support people. Um, I also happen to have been widowed by my first wife, Linda, um, who died in 2010 after breast cancer and then pulmonary fibrosis. Mm -hmm. And then while Linda was dying, she got to know her hospice nurse, Casper, um, which is good because nurses get along well. And sometimes nurses and social workers clash a little bit when it comes to caregiving. Mm -hmm. And so I handed over the reins and they got super close. They're very much alike. And before Linda died, she said, you know, you have got to marry Casper. Yeah. And I oh, said, you have got to shut up because this is not fantasy island for those who remember that show and you are not mr rourke and um we're talking about you we're focused on you but something's wrong with you why are you doing that she said no you're i'm leaving you with three kids i can't i can't die i know you're gonna be alone mm -hmm. and i said yeah no and casper finally said okay we'll go have coffee and i'll come support jill and the kids because she got to know the kids there was nothing behind that intent it was just make her happy so that she could die at peace, right? Um, and then after Linda died, um, I discovered that she was right, which was really kind of a beautiful thing because Casper knew Linda and um, had gotten to know our family. So actually she had no excuses. You know, she knew I had three teenage girls who were very close in age and five cats, and three dogs, and you know, <laughs> whatever else we had in the house at the time. And um we had prom and military ball the, the month after Linda died. So we, we rolled right into life again. And um, what I also found was something that they don't tell you is the widow rules suck. And that as part of the widow rules also comes with the, if you know someone's going to die and you do all of the advanced grieving, you do all the anticipatory stuff, you say all the goodbyes and you've been caregiving for 13 years. Mm -hmm you're really pretty much done pretty quick. And what you're really missing is companionship and intimacy and smiling and life again. So Casper and I were together in short order and scandalized everybody. Um, <laughs> lost some friends because when people die, you lose people, you gain people. That's how that works. Um, and then about seven months into our relationship, we were sitting in Hawaii and Casper threw her coffee cup, which Casper never did. Mm -hmm. 
And I looked at her and I said, what was that? And she said, I don't know. My hand just did that. And I had weird dreams last night. I couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't. And that was Lewy body dementia entering our lives. And early onset, when you get any of the dementias and it's early onset, you have at best five years, maybe seven. Um, we had three. And so she died in December of 2013. Um, and where Linda's death was peaceful and pleasant, and we got to say goodbye up to the last minute, Casper's was um, very much the opposite. She was very much aware because with Louie body, you slip in and out of awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the most cruel of the dementias. And I'm not saying for anyone who's dealt with other dementias that they aren't all cruel because they are. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible disease. My mom has Alzheimer's. I now live next door to her Um, because it never stops, right? This cycle of life thing, it just never stops. And um, so as Casper was dying, I had lost people because they vote with their feet when you break the widow rules. And one of the people who walked in to help was the mortician funeral director who had become our friend through the the three years we'd been together and had been the one who had met with Linda to take care of her arrangements and was there to remove Linda after she died. And so Stacy came in and started helping with the caregiving so that I could sleep a little bit. And then, um, she was there the day that Casper died and um, removed her. And now I'm married to Stacy, the funeral director. What can I say? I keep him close. <laughs> and we do death and dying, grief and loss all day and all night. Oh, Jill, thank you so much for sharing. And I think you're such a blessing because what you do is you could show people you can go through this process because it really is a process and be okay and get out on the other side. You yes. Know, it's you. And find life again and smile again. Well, this is yeah. it because you get them. It's so funny. I heard you say like you take them from this world to the next. I get people where the person's already on to the next side. And I always make the joke as I tell people, you got to imagine it this way. Your loved ones haven't gone. Imagine they went to Florida and they don't have a phone yet. So they can't reach out to you, but they are but, still there. And then they walk around the house and tip the picture sideways. Or many more <sighs> things that I have noticed. And yes, they do. Right. And it's so funny because I know with my readings, I'll say certain things. Someone's like, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. What is that? And I'm like, you already know what this is. Why you need me to tell you this? This is just a confirmation. So they're with us all the time. But I think one thing you can really shed light on that um, so many people struggle with is the process of letting go, you know, because when you know somebody is going to die, when you do have that realization, how do you actually allow yourself to let go? And I call it the lean in or breathing in to that experience. You know, breathing in and leaning is something I say, it's you're leaning into the um, transition. And what's important if you are, because if someone's going to die, it's, you're going to miss them and it's going to be hard. Um, but if you have the blessing of being able to be present during the dying, as opposed to one of those sudden unanticipated deaths mm-hmm. or a COVID death now, um, you have the ability to be there during the transition and to watch them leave and to watch them reach out. I, I've only seen one person in my entire life not reach out to somebody who was on the other side coming to get them. Right. Um, I've been told to move sideways because I was in Gabriel's way. Mm-hmm. I never mess around with archangels. They scare me. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm not Catholic, but I'm not going to get in that guy's way. Yep. Um, but they all describe somebody coming to get them. Yep. And it, it, if you're not someone who's accustomed to, to death and dying, 
it can be a little freaky. To me, it's an anticipated part and it's something we should teach people about so that they know that that's what they're going to be seeing and hearing about. Linda told me that um, our best friend Mari had come on Wednesday night and said, I'll be here in a couple of days. And on Friday at noon, she died. And, um, you know, Mari was right on schedule. Yes. So that's, and Casper was talking to Linda and to her um, grandmother and her beloved aunt. Um, So it's, it's certainly um, something that I truly believe in. And when you are saying goodbye before they die and you get to finish the relationship, finish the unfinished stuff, say the things that you needed to say, apologize for the things we we all have apologies we need to make. And if you are lucky enough that they're still able to say those things to you, it sure makes the anticipatory grief better and it makes the grief process faster because you have finished all of that. And that is where Linda and I were and Casper and I were because the minute she realized something was wrong, she was a hospice nurse for God's sakes. We said the goodbyes, even through dementia. And the first day she choked, she looked at me and she said, don't even think about it. You are not putting a feeding tube in. We're not doing any of that stuff. You know better, you know? So we had her um, pulsed her, which is basically a a fancy DNR done Mm -hmm. well in advance. And I could look at it and say that, no, I'm, I'm sticking by what she wanted. This is how she wanted to transition out. And she had a great belief in angels, not, not God, but angels. Um, and she, when she was there with people as they were transitioning in her career, you know, she could describe the angels that were there with them Mm -hmm. and who she was Mm -hmm. seeing and the signs she was seeing. So she was not afraid other than the fear that comes with Louis body, because it's a terrifying illness Yeah, because it comes with hallucinations that are scary. I think, you know, that's the thing I notice. I always, you know, one thing I always talk about with my clients and we counsel is the idea that, you know, it sucks for the living. The souls that are already crossed over, they're in Hollywood. Like they're having the best time ever. They're just hanging up. It sucks for the living. And we're the ones that have to burden that grief and the guilt and all that kind of stuff. And if we could just finish it, right? Yeah. Finish it. it, Right. Understand. It's pointless. You know, it's done. Move. It is. And you know, when, when Linda was dying, she, she was up and talking while well, she was in the hospital bed and talking until about eight o'clock, nine o'clock that morning. And she died at noon. Yeah. She was only fully comatose for a few hours. And she'd been on um, huge amounts of oxygen for several years because pulmonary fibrosis turns your lungs into a dry loofah. Oh, yeah. She had about 3% of her lung tissue left when she died, but she was comfortable because we were giving her all the good drugs, right? Yeah. And um, about an hour before she was actually pronounced, Casper um, was leaning over her and I was there and she said, we can turn off the oxygen and get the mask off of her now. And I said, but she's still alive. And she said, she's already transitioned. Her heart just doesn't know it yet. She's, she's already gone. Her spirit left a few minutes ago and we turned off the oxygen. She said she hated that mask. Get it off of her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what people don't realize is that, you know, when the transition happens, from my experience, it's almost, it's a light switch. It really is like off and on. And when I have this with my clients and I'm describing those moments, you know, I I can let them know and say, don't worry. Like they're not feeling the pain that you think they're feeling. You're feeling the pain because you're feeling it. You're going through it with them. But no one's explained it to you. If we could just let people understand what dying (laughs) process was and that they're not feeling the things that we're attributing them feeling. Yes. 
Yes. And to you, please use the drugs. All the I'm not a nurse, but use all the drugs. <laughs> Listen to hospice. Follow their directions because they know what they're doing, and your loved one won't be uncomfortable. Well, that's exactly what it is. What are some of the, you know, everyone always wants to know what are the biggest lessons to take away, or how do we live life according to those that have died? And you've had such experience now, you know, seeing it personally and through others. So, what do you think are some of the things? I like to make jokes. What are we screwing up in this human experience? <laughs> what are we doing wrong? <laughs> you know, I, I think we spend, well, first of all, we don't, we don't understand how dying works. And so we get traumatized by watching the dying process mm-hmm. and we need to educate the entire planet about that. I educate therapists about that as part of my living mm-hmm. um, because then we don't inflict trauma from that process. And what we're screwing up is we are not saying the things to finish the relationship. We're listening to all that stuff on Pinterest and Pinterest don't sue me, but for goodness sakes, if you put grief, loss, or bereavement in Pinterest in a search engine, you will get, you know, grief means the measure of your love. You will grieve for the rest of your life. Otherwise you didn't love them enough. It's, I mean, that's not how it says it, but that's the implication. You have to keep grieving because otherwise you didn't love them enough. That's how you measure them. And that's just so wrong. And I'm saying that from the perspective of having been widowed twice and having been married to two women who love me very much and both very clearly wanted me to find smiles and happiness and sunshine again. And to still remember them, absolutely. They're never gone from where I am or who I am, right? I, I don't live my life as a memorial, but I certainly attribute the life that I have in a to great extent to the life I had with them. Yeah. But we need to be able to give ourselves permission to go and do the things and to make the changes we need to make and to not listen to people who are trying to impose grief rules or widow rules on us, especially those who haven't walked that walk. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. until you've done it, you you don't get a vote. Grief is not a democracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're the griever, they don't get to vote and it's not a dictatorship to you. No. Right? It's your life. And no, I know you didn't want this new life, but you can make the best of it and make it a happy one. Mm-hmm. If you choose to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. You no. can still miss them, but you know, if you look at the tapes from um, 9-11, I don't recommend watching them, but the FAA actually grabbed a bunch of the, the cell phone messages that people left oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. from the planes and they play it every 9-11 folks don't listen to it. It will traumatize you. I'll summarize it for you. Right. Here's the summary. <laughs> Everybody who knew they were going to die on that plane in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Call who could call. If they reached someone, they said the same things as the ones who left messages and the voicemail messages, all of them say in some way, shape or form, I love you. Thank you for the life we had. Mm -hmm. I hope you miss me, but I want you to go have a life. Go find some love, go find some smiles. Remember me in a good way. Don't spend the rest of your life grieving. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we screw up. Oh, there goes the gardener. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Dog keep this one quiet. It's, we'll do better. That's another thing too. I always tell people: watch the pet. If your dog's barking or the cat's looking at a spot, they're definitely right. they're paying attention. So right, sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I hear exactly what you're saying, and I think that it um 
it makes so much sense. I know I, the biggest thing I have when I deal with clients is the guilt, right? And it's the yes. guilt of afterwards. And I remember I had a reading for a woman and we were talking about a wedding and I said, but who's the other guy? Is that your ex-husband? And she goes, no. I said, but there's another guy there. So were you married? She goes, that's, that's my first husband. He died. And I was like, oh shit, you know, he's at, he was at the wedding. She goes, I, I know. And I said, right. He's happy. And I said, you do know he's with you guys, eh? Like you're in, you're in a little like sister wives household going on. And she was like, yeah, I, I didn't want to say anything. Cause I know it sounds weird, but my new husband feels it too. And we, right. just, we say it, we're just like, Hey Larry, we're going out to dinner and come by if you want to sit down with us and have a chat, you know, and they just, she knows yeah. it. So they don't leave. There's no jealousy on that end. These are all human emotions, you know? All right. Casper used to say, you will stop dog. Casper used to say, um, you know, Linda was here last night. I, I could sense her. I could smell her. She, she was here with us last night um, and she was watching you sleep. Right. And, and glad that I was there with you. And I, I am absolutely certain that Casper was right. And I have no doubt that they run around. And when I tell people who are grieving, you know, they hate to be told, you know, if they're still with you, it's, it's not okay. Cause they're not here presently and they're missing them and they haven't finished it. Yeah. But once they finish the relationship and put it in the context of they're always going to be with me, but in a different way, that's it. it. The light bulb goes on and it doesn't mean that on an anniversary of a death, you don't miss them and you aren't sad sometimes no, you do. or you go past that place that you always did X, Y, Z or whatever. There are those moments. Yep. They get smaller as time goes by, but there are still those moments, right? But it, it doesn't mean that you are still grieving. And if we can stop calling that grief and start calling that, I finished the relationship, I just miss the person sometimes. Mm-hmm. How much healthier would everybody be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, and I always tell my clients too, a big thing too is so many clients are scared of being diagnosed with something, you know, and how do I get through that? And I think that part of the work that you do is so important because it's teaching people not only how to understand when someone else is going through it, but you know, we all are going to end up on that train sooner or later and you can't avoid it. No one has up to this. It's our one universal experience (laughs) is grief. Yeah. So, right. And therapists are awful with it. No, they they don't get training in it. It's now become a, a, um, an optional course in grad school, which it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And they're all taught um, five stages, which is anticipatory grief, not after a loss. And so I spend a lot of my time training therapists on what not to say and what not to do. And please don't tell someone God needed another angel oh. and, you know, stop it. <laughs> There's enough angels. They don't need anymore. <laughs> like someone's going down and picking out who has to die today and making them an angel. So you have to suffer. Please stop. Right. Um, and so, and what things not to do, what things not to say, because they're awful at it. I saw a therapist after each loss, because I'm a therapist. That's what we do. And each one of them looked at me and said, I don't know what to tell you. you and kidding? one said, but why did you remarry? I'm like, what you why didn't you, about? why didn't you get her checked medically? Like a horse, no. I'm going to get her teeth counted. No, I'm not going to do that. And even if I knew she was sick, you know, we were going to get married anyway. So stop it. I had somebody directing from the other side. That's what I think it is. It's letting go. I call it that letting go energy or that moving through energy, whatever mm-hmm. happens going to happen. And we don't get any guarantees, but that's not what we're supposed to be worried about. It's not about a long life. I have so many people I counsel that lived a long and terrible life, <laughs> right? You know, and those that have had shorter lives, but had the best time ever. Like, what do you want? You know, at the end of the day, what do we really want? 
did we live the life that we were intended to live? Did we make a difference in this world? Did we find happy? Did we make others happy? Did we rescue a few very old ancient poodles? Yes. You know, what? <laughs> we have five of them, um, right? Exactly. What did we do with our lives is what counts. I love that. I think that's a very good note to kind of end off at. Jill, you've been absolutely fantastic. I can't thank you enough for your time. Where can anyone go to find you? I'm definitely going to put them in the show notes, but um, I know lots of people have many more questions and will want to try and learn more about you, speak to you. So what's the best way for people to get in touch? I have jilljohnsonyoung.com, which has all about me and courses I teach and book, the children's and adult books that I've written. Um, and it has resources for every kind of loss under the planet and around the sun. And then I also have a specific website for my book about how to prepare for a loved one's death and get through the grief to the other side. And that's called The Rebellious Widow. And the website is therebelliouswidow.com. Perfect. Thanks again, Jill. And thank you everyone out there for listening to this podcast. I do hope it was helpful. Anyone have any questions, you know, you can always email me at cpsychic at cpsychicgreetings.com. And once again, thank you for your time. Thank you.